0: Okay, we're going to look at our scripture, uh, which is a, a long scripture. Uh, this is John 9 1 through 38, and it's the story of Jesus healing a man blind, born blind uh, from birth. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the neighbors and those who had, been, had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The word of the Lord. Well, sight is very important, isn't it? I recently went to have my yearly eye checkup. And the doctor told me I was on the edge of needing glasses. It, it wasn't long before I was going to need some glasses in particular to help me when I was trying to read stuff because things becoming fuzzier uh, were becoming fuzzier and fuzzier and so I, uh, you know, I'm already thinking about what stylish frames you know, that would, that would make me look very austere and wise uh, in the pulpit. Uh, but I want to get these uh, these uh, trifocals. Are you all familiar with them? You know, I'm new to the world of glasses. It used to be there were the, the Coke bottles, you know, and then they came up with uh, the the glasses where there was a line between them, and now I discovered there there's no line at all. It's a it's a trifocal. Depending on where you stare through the lens, you can go ahead and you know you get a different perspective. So. You know, with this one, if I, if I look at the top, I can actually see the nucleus of your molecules in your body. Uh, if, if I look in the middle, uh, you know, you look normal. And then if I look at the bottom, I could actually see Alpha Centauri uh, from here with these trifocals. I'm actually excited about having glasses because glasses are, are a great prop when you're a preacher. You know, you can be talking and then if you really want to communicate an important point, you know, you can kind of point with the glasses and, you know, it really, it really brings home the power, right? (laughs) If you ask people if you were going to lose one, if you had to lose one of your senses, which would it be? Almost no one would say sight, right? Because sight is so important to life seeing things and having perspective uh... being able to physically see is such an important essential part of life that to, to miss it to not have it would be tragic well sight is important but i want to suggest you that spiritual sight is even more important the ability to see the world as it truly is the ability to see each other to see ourselves arightly, to see God. These are all aspects of spiritual sight. And as we know, many, many are spiritually blind. In fact, perhaps you were spiritually blind before you came to faith in Jesus Christ. What we yearn for is not only physical sight, but spiritual sight. What if we could pull the curtain back and for just a moment we could see arightly we could see one another the way we truly are. We could see ourselves with the proper perspective, not with eyes of condemnation, but with eyes of grace. What if we could see God for who He truly is? In many ways we're like nomads wandering the earth looking for those glasses that help us to see. Well, what we see in this passage is that Jesus came to teach us how to see. And he's doing this by contrasting two different groups of people. One, this blind man who he opens his eyes to see. And yet, ironically, the Pharisees, the seers of Israel, who he shows are actually blind. What's the difference between the two groups, the one that can see and the one that can't? It's Jesus It's Jesus and the power of Jesus, what he does to that man, what he continues to do in his life. And for us, it's one or the other. The only way we can truly see is through Jesus Christ. So since the light of the world has come into the world, let us choose to walk by his light, not simply by our sight. To see, we also must take the path of the blind man. So how are we going to do that? We have to do three things if we want to walk in the path of the blind man. Number one, we have to acknowledge our blindness. We have to recognize that save for Jesus Christ, we're blind, we can't really see. Number two, if we can see, we must proclaim who we see. And finally, number three, we must worship who we know. Because the light of the world has come into the world, let us choose to walk by his light and not by our sight. Well, let's begin with point number one of this journey, that we must acknowledge our blindness. In verse 1, as Jesus walked past by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, back then they believed that if someone had a malady like this, like they were blind, that there was a curse put upon them, and they were asking the question well, who was it that caused this curse to be put upon them, the man or his parents? Jesus answered, It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is a shock to the disciples. They feel like he is cursed and that he's useless because he can't see. But Jesus is rather saying that this condition is part of God's plan in his life. That the works of God would be displayed in his life. In him. This is a shock to the disciples. Now what does it mean, the works of God? This word work is used many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Such as in Psalm 19.1 where the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Or we have the story of creation where God creates all of the universe and and, and, uh, the stars and the skies and the plants and the animals. And what does he do after at the very end? He rests from his work. Work equals the majesty of God and the splendor of God, the actions of God in showing himself in the physical universe, Jesus said in John 434, "My food," said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work." In other words, to participate in God's plan. And Jesus is saying that this man is part of God's plan to, to show the work of God in his life through this difficulty that he has. In verse four, he says, we must do work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. In we have an obligation to do the works of God in our life, irregardless of whatever condition we are in. For the day has come. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so what Jesus wants to do is to show a physical demonstration, a physical demonstration of this explanation he's giving. And so having said these things, verse 6, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And this is a very strange way to heal someone, right? And I've pondered to myself, why would Jesus choose to heal this way? I don't know that I know the actual answer, but this is what I think. When God created man, how did he do it? He created him from the dust of the earth, right? He took the earth and he molded it together into the form of a man and a woman and he breathed life on that person and they became a living soul. Seems to me that that's exactly what Jesus is doing again. He's taking the mud of the, the dust of the earth, and he's bringing it up and he's placing it in an area where the man is hurting, where the man is damaged, and he's recreating in this man's life. And he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now it's important that we get in the eyes of this man, for this is surely a test of faith. This man has been born blind all of his life. And here is this man, Jesus Christ, saying you can see again. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to put mud in your eyes first. I wonder if he was tempted to shrink back from Jesus, from his hands, from his touch. Would you let someone put mud in your eyes if you were blind? And then to go... And he had to walk with this mud in his eyes to this pool. Who knows how far away it was? Surely there was a temptation to doubt. But this blind man believed and so he obeyed. And you can see him stumbling his way down the road to get to this pool. Maybe people laughing at him people wondering what was going on. And all the time, him wondering, is this going to work? But I believe, I believe. And so he continued on this path. And we all know what happened, that his eyes were opened and he saw. Why did this blind man respond to Jesus' touch when so many people didn't? I think it's because blind people are easier to lead they recognize that there is a brokenness in them and that they need help. And when this man heard Jesus' voice, he knew that it was a voice of kindness and goodness and hope. For he knew he was not right and he yearned for a better life. He yearned to leave his old life and to come to a new one. But he knew that something had to die. I don't know if you know uh, my wife, who is busy taking my son back to college right now. She's not here, Lee Ellen. But Lee Ellen has a very interesting condition. She only has one balance nerve in her ears. You normally have one balance nerve for each ear, but she only has one balance nerve in one ear. Why is that? Well, it's because she has something called Meniere's disease. And Meniere's disease is a condition in which some sort of virus or something wraps itself around one of your balance nerves and what it does is it causes you to experience extreme vertigo. So when when Lee Ellen and I were dating, one of these spells would come on and she would be well actually it was when we were when we were early just married, she would she would it would it would come on and literally she'd have to go to the floor because it was like she was on an out of control roller coaster. And so she had to, uh, we went to the doctor and the doctor said, really there's, there's, there's no cure for this. There's only one way that we, we know to fix this. We're gonna have to cut your balance nerve. We're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to fix what is dead inside. Now here's what's amazing about the human body is that you don't need two balance nerves to function. You can function with one. Your body recalibrates it, relearns how to walk and do everything once you cut that balance nerve. But until that balance nerve is cut, she would continue to experience that condition again and again. It's funny, the only time that that she has difficulty is when it's pitch black. Because in the darkness she has no reference point. And when you have two balanced nerves, you can balance out. I don't, I don't understand exactly how it works. The darkness used to help her when she was having these attacks, but now it hurts. Now, why do I share all of these things? I share them because to get vision, sometimes you have to renounce your sight. Revelation begins with confession. This man would have never come home seen if he did not allow Jesus access to his eyes. If he did not obey Jesus' command to go to the pool of Siloam. If he did not come to Jesus helpless. Jesus said through the prophet Jeremiah, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So, who can seek him? Who can show the works of God? The answer is anyone. If it can happen with this blind man, it can happen with you and me. Remember, Jesus is showing physically what he's doing spiritually and came to do spiritually in our lives for he wants us to see. He wants us to see him. He wants us to see ourselves. He wants us to see his father. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how scarred and beat up you are. Doesn't matter your history. We were all blind from birth. Did you know that spiritually? Every single one of us was born into this world blind. But God came to open the eyes of the blind, to set us free. But it's in our weakness where Christ's strength shows up. There is a curse upon mankind because of what we have done. But Jesus came to reverse the curse. He came, and sometimes he physically heals, but Jesus came to spiritually heal us on the inside. And so if you are blind, if you have walked into her perhaps and you have no idea why, Jesus Christ is calling out to you. I want you to see. I want you to see me. Trust me with your heart, and I will give you sight. Because the light of the world has come into the world, we can choose to walk by his light, and not by our sight or lack of it. This brings me to my second point that we must proclaim who we see. Verses 8 through 10 tells us about the neighbors, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he, and others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. The neighbors, they inexplicably cannot see this man, can they? They can't believe that he's the same man. He is saying, I am the man. And they're saying, prove it. And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said, go to Salome and wash. And so I went and I washed and received my sight. The man starts to proclaim what Jesus has done in his life. Now, by the way, mentioning Jesus was dangerous back then because the Jews had already said that if you mentioned Jesus or believed in Jesus, that you'd be thrown out of the temple. And to be thrown out of the temple was to be cursed. But this man can't help but tell the truth. I was blind, but now I see. And his testimony, as he begins to proclaim what God has done in his life, leads him to more opportunity. For they send him to the Pharisees, the ones who are supposedly the seers of Israel. And he testifies to them. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said, he put mud in my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. See, the issue to the Pharisees is that this was done on the Sabbath and there's supposed to be rest on the Sabbath. Remember, God rested from doing His works after creation. But you see, the reality is creation was broken by mankind. Jesus has come to recreate. Jesus has come to restore. If something in your house is broken and you can't fix it, what do you do? You call the repairman to come out and restore that which is broken. So that's exactly why Jesus is healing on the Sabbath because the Son of Man is the Lord over the Sabbath. He came to restore and recreate. But the Pharisees, they can't see it. In fact, they won't see it because they don't want to do the works of God. They want to reflect themselves, not Jesus. John 1.10 put it this way, He was in the world and yet the world was made through Him and the world was made through Him yet the world did not know Him. He came into His own and His own people did not receive Him. See, the Pharisees, they're not happy about this change. They don't want people proclaiming Jesus Christ. They're interested in themselves being proclaimed. They bring the parents who should be overjoyed at what has happened to their son. But notice how measured the parents' responses. Because the parents can't see either. They won't. They don't want to give glory to God in what He has done. They don't want to acknowledge Jesus because they can't see. Finally, the Pharisees ask the blind man again and he teaches them. He lectures them, if you will. Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. He's teaching the Pharisees. See, this blind man recognizes since he has received his sight that it's time to work. He recognizes that his work is to proclaim Jesus and the consequences don't matter. He has this opportunity in front of his neighbors, in front of his parents, and in front of the Pharisees, and he takes it. See, my friends, if God opens our hearts, he heals our eyes. He does it so that we may proclaim him to others. Revelation brings proclamation. To the Christians, he says, but you are a chosen people, 1 Peter 2.9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Every day you and I have an opportunity with someone to proclaim what we have seen. See, we are a testament to God's grace I remember his name it was Ryu Kanamitsu he was a Japanese exchange student at Charlottesville High School I remember because he was one of the first people that I ever fully shared the gospel with I was a young life leader at Charlottesville High School I was at UVA at the time I had become a Christian my senior year in high school and gone through Young Life training and was going to the high school and I built a relationship with Rio who was there from Japan and he was a a shy, reserved, polite young man but for whatever reason he started coming to Young Life Club and I struck up a relationship, a friendship with him and I confess I did not have a clue what I was doing I did not have the four spiritual laws memorized. Maybe had some training. But I knew what Jesus had done in my life. For it wasn't that long ago that I had been exactly in his shoes. Stumbling around, blind, wondering what life was all about, who God was, and if he really cared about me at all. And so as I got to share the good news of the gospel, what Jesus Christ had done in my life. I got to see the light come on in Ryu Kanemitsu's eyes. I got to get him a Japanese-American New Testament. You couldn't order this from Amazon, by the way. You had to go to the store and put in an order and wait, you know, a couple weeks for it to come and to hand him this New Testament and to see him to be able to read the Bible in his own language to see him be able to see for the first time and to work with him on some of the fear he had going back into his culture where less than 1% proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, isn't that really what Christianity is all about? A blind person who's been healed going to another blind person saying, I know what you're going through and this is the one who can heal you? So do you know Him? Has He touched your eyes? Has He opened them so you can see the grace of God in Jesus Christ? That He got up on a cross and He died for you that you would not have to endure the punishment of hell, but rather could receive the full right of sonship. See, to see Him is to speak Him. We all have a message to proclaim, every single one of us. It's why I exist. It's who I am. It's the core of my being. So what's your message? Can you sum it up? Each one of our lives is testifying to something or to someone. It's how we live. It's who we give the credit to. It's who we lift up. For the Christian, our message is simply this, that I was lost and now I am found. So proclaim what you see. To whom is God calling you in your life? Who's the real Kanemitsu that is blind stumbling around that needs a friend to come alongside him and to help apply the salve of Jesus Christ to his eyes? How do we do it? Sincerely and honestly, wherever God calls us to. Anywhere where people would give you a hearing, whether it's the home or the work, the gym or the gas station, the dry cleaner, we all have a message to proclaim. It's what God has done in our lives. This brings me to my final point, that we are to worship who we know. It's interesting to see how the work of Jesus Christ went from this man's eyes to his mouth and ultimately to his heart. After This man was thrown out of the synagogue. Jesus went and found him. I love that, by the way. Jesus went and found this guy because Jesus is interested in a relationship with him. And he said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And that term, Son of Man, if you were a Jewish man, you would understand what it was. It comes from Daniel. Daniel 7, where it talks about the one who is the son of man who will be given an everlasting kingdom, the one who approaches the ancient of days, the one who is God. Do you believe in God? The man says, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, kurios, Yahweh, I believe. And he worshipped him. To see the light is to worship him. See, God doesn't want you for just what you say about him. He wants you for what you say to him. It's personal. What I say to God is far more important than what I say about him. And we see this beautiful moment where this man who is blind and now sees, gets down on his knees and worships Jesus Christ with gladness of heart. That's ultimately what this is all about in the end, isn't it? It's about you and about him and how you interact with him. Has he opened your eyes? Perhaps today is the day when you would proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Has Jesus cut the balance nerve in your heart that you might see again? Then proclaim your sight and worship Him as Lord and Savior. Since the light of the world has come into the world, let us choose to walk by His light and not by our sight. Jesus wants to give us a pair of sunglasses, of glasses today, that we might see him. Openly, honestly. Not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes. I hope you'll reach out for him, for he's reached out to us. Let's pray. We thank you for this beautiful picture, of physical demonstration of what you came to do in our lives to open our eyes that we would see that you are good that your mercy endures forever that you love us and you came to rescue us and give us sight pray for every single person uh, in earshot of me whether online uh, or in person God that they would consent to have their eyes opened that they would run toward the light that they would want to be washed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. God, give us voices to speak to those around us, all that you have done. Let us tell all what you have done for us. And let us worship you as a family of God here in the quietness of our own home. Let us come near to you, for you came and you found us. We thank you for your goodness, and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.